0: This week on Trek, Mary Kill, Mother, Marriage, Murder. Next! Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation, Counselor Troi's mother is on a manhunt for a new husband. A Betazoid woman, when she goes
1: through this phase, quadruples her sex drive. Now, Picard's hiding in the holodeck
2: to escape wedlock.
1: Perhaps we should consider my alternate plan.
2: Riker is the next man she hopes to seduce.
1: Married? Until death must do part.
2: On Star
1: Trek: The Next Generation.
0: Trek, Mary, Kill.
2: Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Brian. Uh, My name is
0: Nathan. And welcome to Trek, Mary, Kill. This week, it's one of our wild card episodes. That's where the guests get to choose the episode. And joining us is Tamar. She's an editor. Hello. Also, Nathan, who is an engineer. And we're going to be talking about Star Trek Next Generation's Manhunt, which features Loxana Troy, Counselor Troy's mom. Loxana Troy, daughter of the Fifth House, holder of the Sacred Chalice of Reeks, heir to the Holy Rings of Beta Z. That's very important knowledge. But anyway, um, Tamar, why did you want us to do a Loxana episode? <laughs> this is one of your conditions.
1: <laughs> it was. It was very important. Um, I grew up with TNG. TNG was like my Star Trek episode. When I was little, I would always roll my eyes, because it was like, ugh, this lady. But then, on rewatches as I'm older, I realized, like, she's a very self-assured, strongly independent woman. She owns her sexuality, which at the time was, I don't think any female character did.
0: Especially middle age. Yeah, yeah, and
1: then she, um, you know, just rolls in, causes chaos like Q, but also is like the Star Trek universe's uh, Samantha from Sex and the City. And I,
2: I just, I just always have such a great
1: time when I'm watching an episode with her in it.
0: That's a great example, especially for Manhunt. Uh, Nathan, had you seen this episode at all before?
2: I don't think so. Um, I've definitely seen some others with her in it, but uh, as we'll talk about the uh, fish people, I'm sure I don't have any recollection of those fish people, so I'm pretty sure I never saw this episode as a kid.
0: So you might notice that we sound a little bit different than usual. We're I'm in the south of France at their villa right now, and we're recording <laughs> this. Uh, just so we're having you know friends having a conversation, just to get that out of the way. If you have never seen this episode before, let me do a quick... Um, recap of it. Again, it's called Manhunt. It's in season two of The Next Generation written by Terry Devereaux, which we'll get into in a little bit because there's a story behind that. And it's directed by Rob Bowman, one of The Next Generation's better directors who went on to do The X-Files and the X-Files movie. Basically, the episode is the Enterprise is ferrying some delegates from LTD3 because LTD3 wants to get into the Federation. And uh, these are sardine looking people. <laughs> and they're in a stasis when they get on board because space travels are very traumatic for them. On the way, they're also, the Enterprise, bringing Counselor Troi's mom, who is an ambassador for BetaZed, and everyone's going to hear the uh, Planet Pacifica, the Altidans' request to join the Federation. On this three-day journey, though, Loxana Troi has an ulterior motive for joining the Enterprise. She is horny AF because <laughs> of... Beta Z, women's midlife menopause, which is the reverse of human women's, where her sex drive is at its peak, and rather than embarrass herself by just jumping the bones of everyone aboard the Enterprise, she's looking for a mate that she can basically f*** to the near death. That, that's the implication. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so that's the manhunt, and she sets her sights on Captain Picard, and Captain Picard realizing that he can't offend an ambassador and also cause you know, her to just lose it. He decides, well, I'm just going to go hide out in the holodeck and play my games, <laughs> play his Dixon Hill holodeck recreation story. And uh, and then the episode just kind of fizzles out, but it ends with, as Loxwana Choi is leaving, she's able to read the Altidans' mind and realize that they weren't there at all to make a petition to join the Federation. They were there to bomb the events and kill Asbani. Federation people as they could
1: which is wild to me because they're just like oh we got caught oopsie poopsie but it's like she was like oh yeah all their clothes are laced with this explosive like Nathan and I were talking about this it's like well they had one of the ambassadors there they were on the flagship like it seems like they could have detonated there then they're I mean season two then that would be the end of the show but Seems like they were weren't very invested in the, in the in the cause.
0: Yeah, for residuals though, that was good that they didn't end <laughs> the show there for everyone. Yeah, 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 it's like oh,
1: they're assassins, and then
2: the episode just ends. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that's right. Uh, it's it's kind of very quaint the whole way it's it's resolved, but it was also fun because obviously they didn't expect a full telepath to be joining the trip. Troy's arrival is is very last minute, um, and she's. Ostensibly there to join and see join on the voyage and see her daughter, but really she's just like, I, I, I'm i a warning, I gotta deal with this. Um, uh, so she has needs, she does. So, okay, we talked a little bit about that. I love your Samantha part, uh, tomorrow, that's fantastic. But I guess my bigger question is, <laughs> how do we all feel about this being what the episode is? I think that's all she really is is this like a body sex want her whenever we see her. So how do we feel about that being the point of a Star Trek episode? And a whole a horny middle aged woman comes aboard wanting to screw the captain. And that's it.
1: <laughs> I mean, I've I've listened to a few of your episodes and you're always talking about this the sexism and the sexual politics of the day. And I think this episode's interesting because it kind of does the Uno reverse, where it's like, what if the horn dog's a woman? And what and at one point Deanna Troy says, You're talking about them like they're commodities. And she's like, Well, they are. <laughs> and you know, it's it's not great. Certainly not, but it's fun to see from a woman instead of a man for once.
0: <laughs> That's right. So Bloxana Troy was if you have never if you have no idea what's going on, Deanna Troy is an empath, not a full telepath, because her father was human and her mother is a full beta zoid and she likes Bloxana likes human men because they're, they're simpler and more fun, I guess. And that's a part of the thing. The commodity conversation turns into, yeah, but your dad was happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Troy's like, yes, he adored you. He worshiped you. So then the other part of this is uh, because of this, it's called the phase in, um, instead of the change for Betazoids, Uh It's implied that part of her telepathy is kind of going wacky she's maybe projecting her own feelings onto other people. So there's a few times where she says she'll, first of all, I think it's impolite that someone reads your mind without you knowing, but then she'll go out of her way to say, Jean-Luc, this is Loxana. How could you think such lurid thoughts and blah, blah, blah. And even at the end, when she seems to have calmed down. So here's my question. Do you think Captain Picard was thinking horny thoughts at any point during this episode towards Mrs. Troy?
2: Well, for me, it's interesting because actually I watched the uh, the previous episode by the uh, the same writer. I'm um, trying to remember the name of it uh, where she came in. Oh, what Haven? Haven, thank you. Uh, and it he, she has the exact same line at the end where when she's getting teleported away, she's like, "Oh, you know, John Luke, how would, you you your, your thoughts are even you know, hornier than my assistants or something," <laughs> and then teleports off. So I don't know if she's just teasing him or uh, who knows what John. Luke-
0: I mean, that's another underlying current in all this. Was the Enterprise crew is just a bunch of fuddy duddies? <laughs> <laughs> like literally, the point is Captain Picard's like, I'm gonna go hide and play video games until this blows over. <laughs> yeah, and then when he gets into the hall, that's the other part of this episode. And uh, there's a whole holodeck story. This is essentially a sequel to, as Nathan said, Haven, but also another episode that we on Trek Mary Kill haven't done yet. But it's um. It's The Long Goodbye, and it's the first time we see Jean-Luc Picard's interest in these pulp detective novels with this character, Dixon Hill. So it's a sequel to Haven and The Long Goodbye. And I I don't know, that part didn't seem to work as well for me, but um, but him hiding out is definitely a sign of Picard having sex thrown at him and saying,
1: I got to get out of here. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Um, so I'll get into that. Here we go. The Terry Devereaux written by credit is, uh, is basically a fake name. It's a pen name used by Tracy Tormey, who is an executive consultant and a writer, because Maurice Hurley, who's the showrunner of Next Generation at this point, basically rewrote him to a point he didn't like what happened with it. And apparently, if you go read the 50-Year Mission book, which is an oral history of, this, of Star Trek, in the Next Generation chapter talks about this, He's vying for basically becoming the showrunner of the next generation and is gene Roddenberry's pupil, and it didn't work out he lost so okay. he lost the battle and uh and so maurice Hurley, a really ornery s o b if you watch uh that captain's on the captain chaos on the bridge uh youtube documentary about the next generation it's a real intense guy, but he won and uh and rewrote this episode, which is a is a sequel to two tracy Torme episodes and um yeah, I could see why he'd be a little unhappy with, with what happened. He kind of took two half-grade ideas and uh, and turned it into this, which is, I think at the end of the day, not actually a terrible episode. I don't feel like I'm tipping my end with the grade too much. but uh, Some other general thoughts about this episode. Uh, our mutual friend of ours, uh, she's also a writer. She, uh, she had some thoughts while watching this over my shoulder. She thought it was a bummer that marriage was still a thing in the 21st century. <laughs> Also, why can't Waxana just have sex with whoever she wants? Yeah,
1: that did seem odd to us, because she clearly wasn't picky as to who she wanted to marry and spend all the rest of her life with. Right. So, yeah, why not have a casual fling?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she goes basically goes down the, it, at least some of it seems like off screen, but she basically goes through the entire bridge crew. Yep. Including what Web- creepily at Wesley for like half a second. It seems like she's thinking about it and then realizes even in the 90s that would have, or in the 80s, that would have not been very
0: problematic. Too too young, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she did have, definitely had a a Mrs. Robinson moment, a graduate there.
0: (laughs) Yep. Uh, The other thing to point out is, if you didn't know listening, this is, Majel Barrett is playing this character, Majel Barrett Roddenberry. This is Jean Roddenberry's (laughs) wife, and obviously, um, if you look at Majel Barrett's IMDB, you'll find that it's largely Star Trek. And this was a big problem even back in the 60s when they were trying to launch Star Trek originally. He cast his wife or his girlfriend, I can't actually remember where they were at in their relationship at that point, as a main cast member. This was in the, the Cage version. And so he's always trying to find a part for her and always put her in there. She's the voice of the computer. We get a, we get a scene where Loxantra is talking to the Enterprise computer, so she's talking to herself, which is fun. Uh, but in this case, finding a, a, this role for her, you know, you can feel this is the show going out of its way to cater to someone for some reason. And, and if I tell you now, if you're watching it for some reason uh, with us after this episode, great. But that's, that's why it seems it's got a weird energy to it. So uh, you read the notes. Rob Bowman, the director, said that he was instructed to make her look as good as possible and spend as much time with her, making sure this part worked worked out. I think it does. I think she does a good job. I think it's kind of a tricky part in this case. You don't want her to embarrass herself, right? Yeah. But with the actor and the character.
1: But then, I mean, in the future, not just this episode, I do think they do some very interesting things with this character, especially when she comes on DS9 yes. towards the end. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I do enjoy her character overall, and she is probably the highlight, of the episode for me. Uh, She, it's, it's a bit goofy, but you know, she plays it in in such a way that it it doesn't seem out of place. Like I I do enjoy it. I do enjoy some of the campiness of, of her behavior. It's, it's fun. I enjoy it.
0: The body Star Trek character, someone who comes aboard the enterprise and is just way over the top is definitely something that they do a lot. And I think making it tied to one of the characters, it's her mother adds an extra element to it. We get a history to it. Uh, everyone's on their best behavior for lots of reasons, and it seems to work here. Um, oh, Mr. Hom, we didn't talk about him. Her gigantic manservant, who was in the Adams Family, but also Twin with He doesn't speak. He's just a, a silly... He's It's a silly character, this uh, servant who carries heavy objects and then doesn't speak at all. I thought that was fun. It's just a weird dynamic, her coming on board with all these different things her relationship with Troy, with Deanna, is so bizarre because there's no evidence that Deanna-Troy has this kind of relationship when her mom's not on board. <laughs> She's not neurotic or a little, yeah. like, a little gun-shy or have, like, weird well, thoughts. I mean, to
1: be fair, <laughs> I mean, we all have that where your parent comes and, you know, like, you're all of a sudden, like, back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I just remember any time I mom would come into town all of a sudden and it's like, oh, let's, you know, yep. I was like, I won't act like that normally. I, I think that's very real.
0: She calls her little one in yeah. front of, she's, she's trying to f*** the boss, like right in yeah. front of the daughter.
1: I mean, my mom never did that when she blew into town, but I yeah. definitely felt <laughs> infantilized, sure. <laughs>
0: It's a little, I mean, it's a little bizarre only in the sense of, um, you know, the parent relationships on the bridge crew is fraught. Uh, Riker's relationship with his dad, like they weren't on speaking terms until the second season, you know, Picard is estranged from his brother, um, you know, Data's brother has tried to kill him.
1: Well, I mean, I guess that's a Star Trek trope. We're not there yet, but everyone usually always has at least one dead parent. <laughs> that's, a that's a good point. It's
0: a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, we don't learn too much more about her dad really throughout the run of the series. And now you mentioned about uh, Bloxana's... She's in several more episodes for The Next Generation, and they they do get away from this, like, just horny old lady type thing but um, alright are you ready to get into the grades or are there any other things you wanted to drop in any facts anything you uh, well, to I will out? just
1: mention Hom I did enjoy that in the background he's always just drinking
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I think we have have to mention that one of the two fish was Fleetwood Mac that's right <laughs> Mick, uh,
0: Mick Fleetwood right Um <laughs> He he said he just wanted to be beamed up. As long as that happened, he was ready to do it. Got <laughs> beamed up. We didn't really even talk about the Eltids as a general idea They they look like sardines, yeah, uh, basically. And um, yeah, I think everything else about them we're gonna probably cover in the grades. But uh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, and everyone's cool. super yeah. rude
1: to them. They just yeah. talk in front of them like they're not there. They shove them in a corner. Right. It,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So they they're beamed aboard and they're in a they're in a coma basically. It's like a preservation thing uh because space travel is very traumatic for this species and and they really are talking shit in front of them uh a lot of people and then o'brien says uh yeah i'll get them out of the way while we wait for them to come out of it (laughs) it's like so what happened did they use an anti-grav unit to lift them off the transporter pad did someone physically pick them up and
2: move them? And then they just move them like five feet and push yeah. them into the corner. <laughs> Literally no, they push them aside. They, even later, they even say they have quarters for these guys, but they don't put them there. They just push them in the That's corner. Right. Uh, yeah, no. It, yeah, they they the mask the the costumes for them. It looked like they just got like a. It was like an Admiral Akbar like melted mask almost. I, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't. I mean, it was the second season, so they didn't have. Yeah. <laughs> some of the fun
0: all right let's do the grades then okay uh we'll start with great scenes and i'm going to just start with i think the teaser is pretty pretty great where we meet the altidans and we hear what the mission is and then picard has wesley crusher there you have to remember in season two it's all about teaching wesley there's always like some little lesson to give the kid in the on the show and he's like i think this would be interesting for you to meet them and they beam aboard and no one seems to know there's no announcement that when we beam them aboard they'll be in a coma and then they beam aboard and they start talking to them and then they realize oh they're in a coma so they're kind of like it's a weird way to get the information out Um, but I liked it I I liked it it's a great scene because it's so weird and alien and you have to learn all these different rules about them and as as Admiral Ackbarish as they looked I still kind of liked the look because it just stood out as something different I think it was super weird, though, that Wesley Crusher's like, ooh, weird. And then he goes up and he starts playing with their food, like opens the receptacle with the chum that they're supposed to eat when they come out of coma. I'm like, why would you expose that to the air? Maybe it was supposed to be cold or something. So it was weird. But then the teaser transitions onto the bridge, and that's where Troy comes aboard. Where she, We get the message that she's supposed to be joining the Enterprise. The reason why I like this part of the scene is not Deanna Troy realizing it's her mom, sensing her and going, oh, God, not mother. It's the part where the shuttle pod pilot is on the view screen and he's saying, I have a dignitary on board. And then she goes, oh, just let me do it. Yeah. And she comes over and she leans over the guy and he's, it's this actor, Ren T. Brown, who's appeared in 80s, 90s, early 2000s. He's got a huge credit. You've seen him. But the face he's making, he's kind of like, making like, damn, get out of my way. <laughs> As she's leaning over him, I thought it was great. So I thought the teaser was great. Um, how about you, tomorrow? great scenes.
1: I love the scene where Riker and Troy were basically explaining to Picard what the phase is. Troy says something like, "There's her sex drive has quadrupled or more," and then Riker's like, "Or more," and she's like, "Well, I didn't want to scare you because you know they used to date." And then Riker, the whole time, I should really say Jonathan Frakes, the whole time. Is grinning and laughing because I don't even think he's acting at that point. <laughs> I think he just cannot keep a straight face and just is is breaking the whole time.
0: <laughs> it's always fun to see Frakes flirting and um, and being into Troy and and it's good. It's better. He's much better when he's into her than when he's just being lurid towards the other guest cast. Usually, so that, that is a fun scene. And of course, Jean Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart's just the whole time. Repulsed or like not sure how to act, and he's playing it the whole time, so it's great. Uh, Nathan, what about you?
2: Um, I really love the scene. Uh, Picard and Luxon are, are having dinner together, and finally, Picard calls in uh, Data and has him come in and just starts spouting off just science facts. A little later on, it looks like he's doing a PowerPoint presentation about <laughs> stars or something like that, and it's just it is it is pretty hilarious. I, I, I really like that scene, and just how. I don't know, it's, it's kind of cruel to Data, but that's, that's Picard for you. <laughs> he doesn't um, care, he doesn't yeah, have yeah, he's yeah. Having... <laughs> Uh Yeah, I just love that scene. It was it, it, That was, again, one of the funny scenes I think that hit, hit well. So that scene
0: is a setup, essentially. Loxana has tricked him into coming. Picard thinks there's going to be people at the dinner, the whole senior staff, and then he shows up and he realizes he's the only one. Now the act-out, before the scene where Data comes in and they are talking... The act out is Hom pointing out that it's just he and walks on, and that's all the dinner is. And then she goes, hello, Jean-Luc. And he turns around, and he stares at her, and she's in the doorway in her lingerie, basically. And the look on Patrick – this is what I want to point out. The look on Patrick Stewart's face as Picard is a look he – I don't think he – he doesn't make it in the whole rest of the show. (laughs) I don't know what the emotion is. It's a very weird – he's trying to smile, but he's also – freaking out and it's a hilarious shot. If for no other reason watch the first act of this episode just to see the the look on his face on the act out.
1: The look on his face is him trying to remember at what point in the whatever manner school they give captains of starfleet like how to deal with this exact <laughs> diplomatic crisis and then he's like there there is no chapter right. on this. <laughs>
0: It's uh fantastic. Um, I also have, no, the, I had that exact moment. The, those are the two great scenes. We're not even really talking about the holodeck. How about when he goes in the holodeck? Were there any great scenes that you guys want to point out there?
1: I was confused because Picard was acting like he had never been in a holodeck before, and it's not the first holodeck episode as we've discussed. It's even not even the first Dixon Hill episode. But then he's like looking around like he's amazed that everything is there. And then he's getting annoyed that all these villains keep coming in, like with he's like, I don't want violence. I'm here to relax. And it's like, then program yourself a spa. I've I've often been like, if I had access to a Holodeck, I would program a Burke Williams. <laughs> it's like if you're there to relax, like why are you in the detective?
0: That's what Dax does in Deep Space Nine. She tries yeah, to take care of this She's spy. got
2: it right. <laughs> I always do enjoy when they kind of explore some of the other aspects of it. I, I'm not a fan of the holodeck episodes where it's just a make-believe episode. You know, if it was just entirely card solving crimes and stuff, I would not have enjoyed it. I do enjoy it more when he's not trying to—he's just trying to be there to relax. He likes the character. He likes the setting. He just wants to be there and away from Luxana. And, uh, but it does—I drag I don't know. It is a little maybe too much holodeck—
0: Yeah, well, I think it is a a situation where it's 80s television where, you know, they have data that shows that people just watch one out of every four episodes. So how much familiarity did they have with the holodeck? Because even Loxon and Troy has like no idea. I I have a theory that at least in the next generation era, that it was basically supposed to be that because of deep space, long term travel, the holodeck really was just on starships and wasn't like a on planets and a common thing and then once you get in Deep Space Nine then it's like oh you can sell that on the space station and I'll sell time on that only because everyone else's a lack of familiarity with it when it's on the Enterprise makes it seem like it's pretty new as a technology that people can engage with
1: that would make yeah. sense because the bartender I, I did enjoy that they kind of made a, a joke uh, that the bartender like didn't have a last name we yeah. was like oh what's your last name he's like
2: huh <laughs> 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 and yeah. it's
1: like I guess I guess if there isn't. My, it's like a you know a, a game console that first comes out, and there are only a few games for it. Like they're still like fleshing out the catalog.
2: It is. It was a little strange to me that looks if, if anyone would not know what a holodeck was and not apparently know what a hologram is. Either. Yes. And she just walks. I mean, she's been on starships before, including Enterprise, and she walks into what is clearly a. I mean, she wouldn't know what a a nineteen forties bar looks like, but. Certainly not a starship. She walks in there, and her first thought is, "Oh, this place is really dusty. You guys need to clean your room." And I thought she was joking and just making a comment about the place, but then she acts like, "Oh, this was." She thought this was part of a starship and just real people there. Yeah,
0: she thought there was like an outdoor environment where you could see the sky in the Enterprise. <laughs> thought it was real, I guess. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird um, thing, but it's supposed to also story wise supposed to break the spell for her because she's trying to read this hologram, this bartender guy and she's really taken by him, and she can't. And somehow she's totally calmed by the fact that she can't read someone's mind. I kind of think the episode falls apart when Picard goes, I'm going to go hide in the holodeck, and then Loxana Troy doesn't read anyone else's mind, which would immediately tell her where Picard is and what's going on here, Um, because she had been doing that before. It could have just had a line where Troy, Deanna Troy's is like, Mom, you need to stop reading people's minds. You know it's wrong (laughs) that you're doing that in the first place. So and it's it's upsetting people. And if you want to have any chance of your manhunt succeeding, then never use the line. Good good episode not to use the titular line. To have a titular line. Uh, then that would work. But um, yeah, that's strange. The holodeck thing. The rules are all very wacky, especially early in the early going. But. And also, what a boring what a boring segment of the Dixon Hill story. That Picard's chosen, and it's strange because Picard he he goes in as this private detective. He gets uh, what a knife pulled on him, he gets grabbed across the table, and then the guy just comes in with, no, it's just a handgun. He gets pulled across the table, and, and then a Tommy gun. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and all the time he freaks out computer freeze program!
0: And it's like, oh, Jean-Luc, you and your surrendering. Just have fun.
2: <laughs> Which was that? The, oh, what's that actor's name? Because uh, he, he appears later. This know. is uh, Robert O'Reilly. This yeah.
0: becomes Gowron uh, uh, later on in Next Generation. Never forget those eyes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Boy, yeah. we
1: saw those eyes and I was like, oh, it's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
0: he plays a scar faced, uh, basically gangster kind of character in one moment there. All right, let's move on to best Trek tropes. Um, Tomorrow, it sounded like you had a couple. I think you mentioned one, but.
1: Um, I do love when they shoehorn music in that's of the free domain. It's like <laughs> it's the 23rd century, why are they going to a classical music concert? This was always a question as a kid and now that I work in television, I'm like oh, okay, because it's free. <laughs> or very cheap. But I thought it was used to great effect when Picard's in the holodeck and he turns the radio on and there's music there uh, from the free domain. I was like oh hey, it's actually weird. And then the other one I had was when Majel? Majel. Majel. Yeah. She, in future episodes, the computer never talks back to her. I think this might be the only time I've ever heard the computer talk back to her.
0: Like sass her? No, oh. it literally... Oh, just She'll to her.
1: say computer, or she'll hit the console, oh. and she'll order whatever she wants, and then it'll beep at her. Hmm. Usually, in the later episodes, you won't hear uh, the computer literally talk back to her because it's her voice.
0: I think it's more fun if they just uh, <laughs> they they lose their sense of humor as the show went on. But the animation <laughs> producers, uh, Nathan, what about you Best structure? Uh,
2: I think just Riker kind of being a horn dog like usual. I thre- again, as Tamar mentioned uh, throughout the episode when she's talking about you know the the episodes, like sex drive during this period, like he's just that grin. While well, it's John John Brick's probably breaking character, it also kind of works for Riker. Like he is Definitely. he is enjoying that. Um, his reaction. Now, Grant, that's actually something that the the there's a later scene where she decides then to to start hitting on Riker and and then announces that the marriage. That one's actually a little more it, the erection from everyone there was just kind of off, but it, Riker again just he kind of is fine with all that. I think he I don't know.
1: It yeah that that is the one we went back to rewatch that scene to be like, did we really just watch that? Because <laughs> all of a sudden this woman is like. You, I'm gonna marry you, and there's not really any sort of reaction, other than this this woman wants to have a shotgun wedding with our XO. It it just seems like it would elicit more of a response than it got. Yeah,
2: yeah. Riker's just smiling, like he's happy. Yeah, which
1: well because he's heard what the phase is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's basically <laughs> death by snooze to you if you marry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I had the holodeck I, I mean, as a trope, and everything going on there. I like the tweaks of what we already said. Troy saying this is the dirtiest part of the ship. You should clean it up. <laughs> What's going on here? The the holodeck the holodeck characters being aware and or responding in a way that they're joining the character breaking the fourth wall is a little weird. I'm glad they clean that up later on but it does stand it for some reason the holodeck recreations in season two feel a lot better than they do later on i don't know if it's the way the show's shot whatever uh we talk about this in the elementary dear data episode uh which will come out later and that's uh you know rob bowman's a great director and visually he, he gets a lot out of basically what's going on he has the way he shoots everything it, it makes you feel like you're not on the enterprise right when they step into this world so i don't know if that worked I really liked the Antidians only because of how alien they were, um and and all the little rules that went with them. Um I liked I like Data calling out Wesley's ra- racism. oh racism.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. after the, he's they meet him on in the transporter room on the bridge, uh Riker says, What did you think of the Antidians, Wesley? And he's like, Well, they're weird looking. And then Data says, um uh judging Beings by its physical appearance is a hum- is the last human prejudice is basically what Data says.
1: Yeah, and Worf calls him out for it too. Yes, like later on. Yeah, he's like, "Well, what did you think of me when you first saw me?"
0: Yeah, and then Wesley straight up admits, "He's <laughs> like, I did think you were weird looking, but now that I've met more Klingons, I can see you're the most
2: handsome." <laughs> yeah, even then it was kind of yeah. yeah even that it was problematic. He was like, "Well, you're, you're I like you, I like you." <laughs> yeah,
0: and then Data talking too much. Uh, good, good trope. In this case used to great effect too. Sometimes it can be a little annoying but the fact that you can see Patrick Stewart or Picard have the idea, this is perfect.
2: He just did it in
0: and he can just defuse the situation. He can Troy block me. it will be great. <laughs> All right, worst Trek tropes. Nathan?
2: Um, I get it. Probably going back to just the, the that weird, like, not knowing what a holodeck or a hologram, or like, being surprised by technology that should be pretty commonplace. Um,
0: or at least I knowing, think, like, you're going on the Enterprise, they have holodecks. Yeah, there, yeah. Right? And again, this
2: isn't someone that's, like, you know, from some podunk era of the universe. She's, she's an ambassador. Like, and, you know, she should be. And she's yeah. been on the Enterprise before, so yes. she should be pretty familiar with that stuff.
0: Does she have a scene on in the holodeck in she Haven? She does. I feel like there was a I, holodeck I scene though.
1: It, there was, but she's not in oh, it. Oh, she's so, not. in Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh tomorrow?
1: Um again, Holodeck episode and I I've already mentioned it Picard's wandering through there like he's never seen it before and he not only has seen it before, but he's done this <laughs> story before. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. It's just the holiday episodes are always tricky for me. I always I usually get a lot of secondhand embarrassment, especially if it's like a, mostly a holiday episode. Um, but I thought I thought there was a good balance in this episode of it.:
0: I didn't yeah. feel like they used it to maybe if they were to redo this episode today and you couldn't change very much of it, like you could only change the dialogue. You couldn't necessarily change the plot. Like there would be some the card would be going on some sort of journey himself. like there would be a reason why did he seek this one out? What is it about this? Which leads into my worst trick trope. The, the crew of the Enterprise, Next Generation, this is a Next Generation trope more than anything else. Like, being anti-sex. We're just being a bunch of funny <laughs> Like No one's down to just, let's try it out. Let's
2: see what happens. Let's get into it which I do love the doctor early on. It was just like, you know, let's just let
1: it happen. It's yes. good. It'll be good for, the, good for
2: the captain. It'll be good for her. <laughs> Dr.
0: Pulaski, say what you want. Yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, I think that was wise.
1: Yeah, she said, I actually wrote I actually wrote this verbatim. As ship's doctor, I think it's an excellent exercise for his reflexes and agility. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's great. And I also feels like, in this case, it gets away from, well, maybe it's something they develop later on, but there's an idea that Betazoids are actually sensual or, like, they're they're sex positive or all that stuff. None of that's here. So, you know, it's just basically there. there's some degree of surprise and revulsion at the idea of, of sex, either with blocks on a Troy or, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, if Picard were into her, that would still present a pretty big conflict to be resolved. It could still motivate him to go to the holodeck, you know, so
1: yeah and i mean there's uh i mean i guess this would be of its time quality there's a fine towing of the line of exactly what they can get away with what can, they can wink at yep. you know and yeah because definitely towards the end of the series and then into deep space nine um, and certainly in the newer treks they definitely explore sexuality more yeah. and, and more body positivity and Sex positivity.
0: Yeah, so like the most of it's time quality. That's perfect segue into that. That's a that's a great one. Um what about you, Nathan? Do you uh anything?
2: there's a line Picard's, when he's in the holodeck and he's 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 just chatting with the, the holograms talking about he talks about World War ii and how it, these technological advances oh, yeah. that come from it. And he specifically talks about like rocketry and I feel like these days there would have to be a little more discussion as well as like, oh, yeah, well, there's, you know, talk about how the Nazis developed rocketry and how great that was. I feel like maybe there'd be a little more right. nuance there. It's like, oh, man, all these medical advancements and rocketry advancements. It was
1: great.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. He says that that reverberate even through to the 24th century. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And here in 2022, we're like,
0: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they didn't teach Operation Paperclip in Federation of the Academy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Academy. I definitely, the sex, gender, traditional cultural norms, there's a lot of like, um, uh, you know, humans don't possess each other in that way when Troy's talking about marriage, which is a weird implication. So then the implication then is that humans have, have gotten away from marriage, but not the Betazoids, and that's the way they think that's the right way. Um, I don't know. I, I think... Again, the sex positivity, maybe if you're doing this now, she would even be hitting on Dr. Pulaski or Dr. Crusher or whatever. Just like well, everyone's on the table. As we just talked about, Dr. Yeah. Pulaski
1: seems to be the only one who's into the idea. <laughs> Dr. Pulaski
0: would be, I find it fascinating. Let's, let's try it out. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the only other time of its time quality, it's more of a fun one. The, the design of the MTDMs, yes, their faces, but definitely what they're wearing. The weird oh, pipe yeah, that goes yeah. around their neck, and it's really just more of a like a shower curtain that they're wearing, <laughs> a shimmering shower curtain, sparkly thing. Uh, it looked that, hilarious. That looked
2: like a costume straight out of the like the '60s Star Trek. <laughs> it it might have been. I think that's why I liked like, them so much. They just stood out as like <laughs> Star Trek.
1: It seems like remember um, uh, Babylon Five, the Vorlons. They had an upgraded version of that. They definitely they had like a brown, shimmery shower curtain.
2: Around
1: oh, yeah. a cowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of costumes, at one point, Loxana is wearing a dress that is just ruffles on ruffles on ruffles, <laughs> which I did enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: very eighties ruffles too. Oh, yeah. Her yeah. kind of all of her stuff was like stuff my my grandma would wear when she'd go to bed, or like when it was nighttime, like just like to go to bed. It was very the floral patterns. I think that's what it mainly was that stood out to me.
1: I was gonna say that doesn't sound very comfortable for bed. At one point, she was wearing something that looked like it was entirely made of wrapping paper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, if you don't like sleeping for very long, you don't have to sleep in ruffles. All right, and that brings us to the line must be drawn. Yeah, great lines. Uh, let's start with Tamar.
1: Um, again, back to that Riker Troy Picard conversation when they're explaining it. Troy says, "It seems, Captain, that you are the early favorite." And Ryger says, "Congratulations, sir." <laughs> and then Picard is like, "I don't find any of this amusing." It just perfectly encapsulates, I guess, the plot of this episode. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So, so for me, um, I mean, you have to, oh, the rest of the crew just staring at these at the interns and, and just making kind of racist comments about them or just generally being d- disgusted with them. But Worf, uh, he just says that, I quote, what a handsome race. <laughs> and I, I like it, it. Like every Worf line, and there's not that many, but he, I, I enjoy um, his acting there. And that, that line in particular, it made me laugh, and it was just... I don't know. He... He's also the only member of the crew that's actually kind of being you know, respectful towards these aliens out yeah.
0: there. Yeah, they just have to sit there and get roasted. <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, maybe they weren't planning on blowing up the delegation until they heard all the comments. <laughs> it's like, do you want to join the Federation when they when they treat you like this? Yeah, it's yeah especially when
1: Loxana at one point is like, I still think they look better in sauce. <laughs> <laughs> You're the diplomat! <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe the Federation really is a Homo sapiens only club, as the Klingons say in Star Trek Six. <laughs> uh, what a handsome race, obviously. Um, I had the judging a being by its physical appearance is the last human prejudice Wesley that stayed as line damn on the bridge. And then locks on his tr- uh, line. he's a fine man. She's talking about Picard. Reliable he's a little bit on the stuffy side, but all in all he's not that bad. What a great encapsulation of especially <laughs> early next generation Jean luc Picard yeah. um, and this is after she looked at his legs when he's in his tights. The dress uniform definitely next generation underwent uh, 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 an evolution over the course of the series and the tights with the with the normal top was, was definitely a funny wrinkle in that early design. Um, I can't believe you mother, you sound like you're sizing up a commodity. But that's exactly what men are, darling. Especially human men, which is what we talked about. Um, How could you possibly think I would want to spend our special time together with that robot? This is after Picard calls Data in to break the tension. And then Picard just straight lies to her, which she would have known. And he says, because of Data's wonderful after-dinner conversation, his anecdotes are the stuff of legend on board this ship.
1: Well, remember, her telepathy is fuzzy. (laughs) Um... But going back to the tights, I did enjoy the pan down his legs. <laughs> it's like, that's going back to my reversing you know, on sexism and of its time, because that camera move was
0: delightful. Uh, and this that precedes her checking out Riker's legs as well checking when he's in Riker the tights, love. which we didn't even mention that nice funny moment after Mr. Hom beams on board, Troy still wants Riker to carry her luggage And it's incredibly heavy and Frakes does an amazing job of selling how heavy it is. And then he's struggling to carry it all the way, which he would have had to put it down, let's be Mm -hmm. honest. He, he, the way he was carrying it, he would have had to put the trunk it down. He lifted that in the worst. No wonder he has
2: back problems. Yeah, but he was lifting that way. <laughs> all back, and, and then yeah, and then
1: he, the he did not bend and no. lift
0: and twist. Yeah, absolutely, the, the 24th century still don't know how to lift properly. <laughs> but you know what? My, this is my use for whenever the Enterprise does stuff that smarter people should know. They're all nerds. They're all scientists. So technically, would <laughs> <laughs> they know that? There, um, and then the punchline to that is Mister Hom just easily picks it up once yeah. they get into the quarters, which is which is nice, funny little beat. Yeah. Sometimes it's just funny to have jokes, we just did, good. We, we told, told, yeah. a joke yeah. that goes
2: repeated. Yeah, I, I do have okay. to say and the the only disappointment is in going back and watching the other episode. Is is almost all the jokes are repeated. The gone every time they have she eats a piece of food. There's the gone sound. Yes. The the suitcase one is almost like almost the exact same scene except it was Picard instead of Riker. No um,
0: wonder Terry Devereaux trouble. was so upset. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I feel like he just kind of recycled the jokes. He it sounded like he wanted to do more of a holodeck centric episode and didn't get what he wanted
1: out of it. So
0: We said already you already said the doctor's line. Does anyone have any other lines? Because I have one more.
1: Uh no. No, I also have or more. I didn't want to fry any
0: Uh Picard after they leave the dinner and it's just Picard and Data walking out and you can see Picard relaxing and Breathing a sigh of relief, he turns to Data and he says, "Data, you will never know how much I owe you for that." <laughs> <laughs> the Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance, Nathan.
2: Uh, I mean Major Barrett. I I, I love her throughout that whole one. She definitely is able to play someone. Again, she's goofy. She's fun. Um, I I just she just owns every scene she's in. Yeah,
0: yeah. We agree. About it. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow yeah. <laughs> and, and i think it was tricky because she could have just seemed ludicrous and desperate and it would have it could have been gross and sad and i think maybe that's why it was good that the rest of the crew kind of are so extremely against the idea because it almost pushes to the part where it's like why what's their problem more than what's her problem yeah. even though she's being annoying let's be honest <laughs> just calling the, the ship's counselor a little one in front of people <laughs> and, and infantile infantilizing hers yeah. um then that leads us to the shatner so who really went for it maybe in a way you like maybe in a way that you thought stood out in a, in a negative way or didn't fit the rest of the episode um let's start with nathan
2: Ooh, I, it's not just one person. The entire fish, the scene where they, where they have the food, they wake up and they're hungry yep. and they get the food. That was just a, such a bizarre scene. Like I know it was meant to be, be funny, but it does not really land. It's just odd. Every, the reactions of everyone, the, the people, you know, mostly, yeah. This, the the actors trying to eat with the masks, everything yep. about it is just, it's such an odd scene. So and Mick Fleawood. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, his acting was great in the rest of the episode. When he was just standing there, silent. Oh, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he does speak at the end, right? He goes, fuck us on that outward. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's a trap! Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: I have one, but tomorrow, do you have...
1: I, I think it goes to Hom. He just portrays so much in a look. Like when Picard realizes it's just him and Loxana for dinner... His look is like you've been played, Mm -hmm. and uh, also just him in the background, just drinking anything he can get his hands on,
0: having to convey a sounds? All right, so I'll pitch mine and then we'll discuss. I think Robert O'Reilly's uh, blue eyed, scar faced character, the way he goes in, it's completely different from the guy, the same guy who comes in before and after, and it does not fit the rest of the tone of the Dixon Hill stuff. It kind of Draws the energy away because he's so serious and mysterious <laughs> and just making a meal of this moment and he's stepping over here and staring away and we just get his eyes and th- and then he grabs him and he gets violent at the end, so that's my pitch, but we're all in our corners i guess i like I like the home one because it feels like we need to give Mr. Home some sort of recon- recognition the other only other thing I would say is. They kind of, all three of the people we mentioned, don't you have to act big when you're on a small TV in the 80s and yeah. a like 480 resolution? You have to do enough to convey what's going on. Which I think is why Robert Riley would just get cast and stuff because his eyes are so ridiculous. <laughs> like, okay, I see him. Um, all right, let's just leave all three of those. That's good. It's only the Anton Critty and I, I like to focus on one person. This is good. Good Shatners for this one. Uh, what part of this episode are they teaching at Starfleet Academy tomorrow?
1: Uh, how not to act during a diplomatic mission. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what do you mean? Like, uh, from Troy's perspective, or...?
1: From, they're talking in front of them as if they're not even there, <laughs> they're putting them in a corner, uh, Pulaski's treating them like a science experiment, and then when they're, like, obviously hungry, the food that was the only thing they brought with them, she's like, oh, the food! And then Worf is trying to like hand feed it to them. Right,
0: like it's a cat. Here's your food bowl. Remember this?
1: And like we discussed, Wharf is the only one who's treating them with any respect at all. And uh and the the one diplomat there is uh talking about eating them.
0: Yeah. Well oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Nathan.
1: I, I mean kind of the
2: same thing. Yeah, it's and, you know, and then you have Wesley just repeatedly making comments about their appearance, and that could also kind of just be a that is kind of a bad Star Trek trope too. And it's when they have the really alien races, they come they pretty frequently. You have someone talking about how I don't know, making comments about how gross they are, or something, something that you think a starship that is probably picking up aliens that look just crazy like that fairly frequently it, it is always something that's odd that it's not something they're more used to
1: well remember it's the flagship so it's like this is the federation putting their best foot forward
2: yeah well
0: the other part with wesley that is something he will learn when he goes to serve. <laughs> here's what you did wrong See, so we have the enterprise of security remember it's a flagship we can see it we can just the whole class is about you, Wesley. We so were just going to talk about you, where you messed up. Oh,
2: no that. wonder
1: he washed out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's
0: like, I'd rather go with the Traveler.
2: <laughs> First day of the HR training class. Yes. <laughs>
0: yep. uh, Don't I,
2: do
1: what Wesley told us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have scanned for all tritium, which is the thing that their cost- uh, wardrobe's lined oh, in, which could be an explosive. Which she, you know, this is on at the end, uh, diagnosing what's wrong. Oh, they're not there to petition. They're there to blow up the, the thing. And their clothes are covered in this little which your sensors don't ordinarily scan for. And I just, I don't know. It could be such a small thing that they would have to do some other things to it to make it into an explosive, which is why the transporter wouldn't flag it. But also, <laughs> I think if anything could be a component of an explosive, you know I mean, maybe they should scan for it that's all yeah that's kind of my and and,
2: and again going back maybe you know tighter security when they do find out they're assassins uh not just be like oh you guys all right come with me (laughs) yep yep
1: and Warf had that phaser that was like a garage door opener and he's like oh I caught ya (laughs) what are you going to do with that phaser Warf fire it at uh, the explosives yeah
0: Warf must have been so conflicted that he was like but they're so hot
1: (laughs) when the hot
0: people would do this <laughs> how would the predecessor captain slash show resolve the conflict so this will be captain kirk and the enterprise what's the conflict of this episode <laughs> also a question to the panel um tamar
1: um, i wrote how would kirk have resolved an alien woman whose sex drive has more than quadrupled not hide out in the holodeck the <laughs> I wrote death by snooze. Yeah, that would be the conflict.
0: (laughs) They would have dramatic music of Kirk stepping forward being like, I'm going to take one for the team. Yeah, Yeah, I think he would have, the only way out is through this. He would have just gone with it. And then through the course of the journey, he would have helped her understand that they can't be married. But they had a good time, right? Didn't they?
2: I think that would be the real conflict when he finds out she wants to marry him. Now. Yes. Not, not the sex part. He'd yes. Be down with that. Yeah. That or Dr. Plasky telling him that he needs to, he he cannot do this another time or he will die. <laughs>
0: him going to sick bay every couple of scenes and McCoy's it's like going back to his ring in a boxing match. And McCoy's just patching him up. to go back
1: out. Well, so McCoy's like the cut man, just yes. like giving him more fluids, more Gatorade. <laughs>
0: And Spock, like, trying to counsel him, like, perhaps if you spent more time on her.
1: <laughs> it's not all about you. That's right. That's right.
0: And Kirk's like, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> oh, man, I want to see that episode now. Uh, I guess I had the other twist of, like, what if it was Spock she was related to, which might be how they actually play it, where she's just, she picks Spock right away. Um, all right, so then that leads us, that brings us to the big question, track, marry, or kill Manhunt, and I have tomorrow first.
1: Um I uh, Trek. It's corny, but it's funny. All the cast seems to be having a great time hamming it up. Um and I think that usually the holodeck can be a little much, but I think they hit a good ratio of holodeck for non-holodeck episodes. Uh
2: I was on the fence. Originally I was leaning more towards kill, but after watching again the, the prequel to this, uh Haven, I, I I'm going towards Trek. I did enjoy it. I had fun watching the episode. It. Gets a little too corny at times. The holodeck drags on just a little too much. But for the most part, it's it's. I enjoyed the episode. I had fun, and that's yeah. ultimately you know, yeah. What the point is?
0: I think uh, exactly right. I, I'm picking Trek as well. Uh, it is weird that the episode just kind of ends in the way that it does. It's not a bad ending. It's just very quaint. Does it ever really peak? You know, it's like what is the peak of this episode? And it's there really isn't one. But it has a beginning, and a middle, and an end, sort of like a weird short story about the time Deanna's horny mom came aboard the Enterprise and then found an assassin on the way to Pacifica and that's it and that's all the episode is and then so
1: I mean these things do happen when you have a 26 episode order yep Yep. You gotta fill yeah. the time sometimes. I
2: did get that feeling though. It was almost like a bunch of little short stories happening. They, they all kind of end in their own way.
0: Another way they could have done it if they got rid of the holodeck com- uh, portion entirely is like just her doing these one on one scenes with the whole cast. And, like Basically, we never see Jordy in this episode. We did not mentioned that. Mr. Hom signifies they're gonna go, she's like, who's next on the list? Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Hom just puts his hands over his eyes. <laughs> That's how we're supposed to know she's going to see Jordy. Um, yeah, It was fun thanks so much for uh, inviting me to the south of uh, France to visit your lovely home. It's it's amazing. So thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Hope you enjoyed our wild card adventures. And um, if you fans listening out there want to get in touch with us, let us know what you'd like to see as a wild card down the line, because we're going to do Star Trek Picard season three, and we're going to finish up strange new world season one. So that's kind of our block, but we want to take in any feedback you might have. Let us know. Our social media is Trek Mary K on Instagram and Twitter uh, for now. <laughs> and uh, and also you can go to our website, Trek Don't forget to vote on our Star Trek Voyager poll for Caretaker. Is the pilot a Trek Mary or Kill? Kristen and I tied. That's why I have two guests this week, so we can always break a tie. Um, until then, again, thanks for listening. We'll be back. TMK out.